to the very first episode of The Grade, the Northeast Charter Schools Network podcast. I'm Joe. And Jess. And if you wanted to know more about the New York State budget that was passed last week, you're in luck because in just a moment we are going to be speaking with our interim New York State Director, Andrea Rogers, on what the budget means for charter schools. Just in case she thought she was done talking about the budget, uh, we threw her a curveball and asked her to join us today. So thanks for being here, Andrea. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) So what did the budget deal mean for charter schools? So this was a good year for our issue for all the schools statewide. Uh, There was a funding increase that uh, actually amounted in the end to $54 million. And what will happen is next year, on or after April 1st, that money will be eligible to be distributed to charter schools around the state. Um, Everyone will get an equal amount per pupil, and the estimates that uh, were included in the budget this year were that it should amount to be about $430 per student. Which is a huge win. I know you've been hearing from schools, and this is a big deal for many of them, and this is even better than last year's funding boost. Um, We actually are just uh, gearing up for um, last year's $25 million to be dispersed to schools. Um, That money will be coming uh, from SED straight to the schools, and we are tracking down the final details of how it's going to work. But um, these per-pupil payments coming in this method is actually somewhat new. So we are um, doing our best to try to get the answer to that question uh, over the next week or two. And what about playing defense? Um, In the final budget this year, we also were really happy to have blocked the Assembly's proposed budget um, kill shots on charters, which were designed to starve schools financially and close them down if they did not meet certain enrollment and retention targets that were broadened from what's currently in place and were designed in such a way that it would be nearly impossible for the schools to have met them. Um, and interestingly enough, it would have actually been impossible for many of the district's traditional schools to have met them as well. Um, so that was a really harmful proposal, and we did a lot of work trying to educate everyone about what was in there and how bad it would be. And then we also put a lot of work into making sure that that um, didn't make the final package. So we were very happy to be able to report that that, um, that was taken off the table finally. Um, And then there was another positive development for the New York City schools that currently get um, facilities aid through through the um, process of applying for free co-location space. Um, Schools that were newer growing after 2014 are eligible to request co-locations from the city. And then if that uh, request is denied, they can get additional per-pupil funding. And... This um, budget actually avoided a planned switch on the way that funding worked. So right now it it amounts to be about um, 20% of the per-pupil funding for any of the students that are eligible. And it would have switched to um, to lease aid next year. So it was a, a sort of a technical change that the budget implemented, but it was a good change in that it avoided what was um, expected to be 
a more difficult process for the schools to have to navigate. So that was really positive. Another thing that I would like to note is that um, for the third year in a row, there was also a proposal on the table for um, allowing schools to access building aid if they don't currently get any sort of facilities aid. Um, assistance and um, that made uh, that made some good progress and we were happy to see that many of our friends in the Senate were fighting hard for it. It did also um, fall out of the final deal in the end but we were excited to see that it was um, seriously being considered and we're going to keep working on ways that we can help get some sort of financial support for any of the schools that right now are left out of um, what is in place for uh, certain New York City schools. So a big priority for us going forward will be on continuing to do that work. And like we've talked about before in some of this work, some of the biggest wins actually come from the defense that we've had to do. And a lot of that this year, like you noted, was on the assembly proposal. You, you touched on how, um, you know what it was going to do and how bad it was, but elaborate on that a little bit if you could and talk to us about how that played out in the end because that would have been really devastating as you noted in our blog post along with Wendy, our um, research and data director. Um, if you could elaborate more on what that would have actually done to schools and just what the process was like in the last, in the final days and hours. Sure. So I think what's interesting here is that we are uh, so far into the charter school movement in New York. Um, you know, the original law was passed in 1998 and the first schools were opened in 1999. And sometimes because we have become so much of a part of the fabric of public education in New York State, it almost seems like uh, we should be accepted and that we are acknowledged as being an important part of improving education. The reality that we actually face every year in Albany is that we have a lot of anti-charter school opponents that are, you know, from year to year it varies just how hard they attack us. But, you know, this year, 2016, we were really under attack. And um, we knew it was coming. The UFT uh, earlier this, uh, this winter had made it very clear that they were going to be pushing for legislation in Albany that would um, attack what they present to the world as our deficiencies in serving high-need kids. Um, I think the charter sector generally has been very good at being reflective on what we do well and what we need to improve on. And the difference is that the unions often take uh, this to that next level and they will um, talk about that issue and turn it into um, these harmful proposals where they'll basically, what they did this year was they basically said, you know, we're going to we're going to push really hard for the legislators to, you know, correct what they see as a problem, but their correction that was proposed was actually to just shut the schools down. So it was a little bit misleading, in, our, in my opinion and in many other people's opinion, what was really going on. Um, but anyone who was close to the legislative process and the negotiations was able to to see from, from the, the beginning this year that we were going to be... Um, under attack from at least one of the three main uh, branches of our government. Andrea, can you remind us what the governor and the Senate both proposed earlier this year? So when the governor proposed his um, original budget, he was supportive of charters. He put forward some 
minor, th you know, small things, but they were important things. And then when the Senate and the Assembly proposals were revealed, um, it was obvious that the Senate was, again, our friends, and they took a next step from what the governor's proposal was, and they, they actually were advancing our causes in their proposal. And the Assembly uh, revealed 11 pages of legislation, and it was just full of... Uh, really toxic stuff. Um, I mentioned earlier that they essentially broadened the targets that charters currently under the existing law are required to meet. And they, uh, so they broadened those targets to make it so that there are more metrics that had to be met, but they also made it increasingly difficult for charters to meet them. And they suggested that there should be these really draconian uh, penalties. So you would lose up to three times your funding for every student that you missed uh, meeting one of the targets for. And you could never grow if you had a track record at any time recently in not serving all students um, or what they see as not serving all students. Um, and then at the time of renewal, you would have to be closed. So. It was really, um, really just a very blatant attempt to shut down schools. In the beginning, in the first few days after the proposal was revealed, I think many people thought it's such an outrageous package. There's no way that this thing is going to have legs. Um, and what we always prepare for and are always, you know, vigilant about is that you never know, you should never feel safe, and you can never be careful. And what we did see right through the end was that there were people pushing for that, uh, for those harmful proposals to be part of the package. Um, and while maybe what they ended up pushing in the very final moments might have been walked back from the original proposal, they certainly were pushing for things that were going to be harmful to us. Um, and in the last couple of days of the final negotiations, we actually saw uh, the establishment, um, NYSET, the School Boards Association, some of their other sort of usual suspect friends band together and really go after charters very hard. And Would they you were, call them the edu establishment? <laughs> so Kyle Rosencrantz uh, did actually um, feel like, you know, enough is enough. And he... Uh, identified them as the edge establishment and he led us successfully in fighting back in a in a higher profile and more aggressive way than we have done in the recent past but in a way that I think was entirely appropriate because um, they really were going after our issue and making it a priority to try to harm charters. Again, this was something that was really active in those final few days of the budget negotiations, so the threat was real. And I think that, you know, when I say we're, we're a movement that's been around for a while and we feel like we're a, a part of that fabric of, of public education in the state, I think it's important for everyone to remember that we're not accepted. People are going to continue to try to attack us. And we certainly do have some friends, but we also have a lot of opponents. And it's really important for all of us to continue to pay attention and, and do the work that we need to do to share our stories and make sure that we are um, advancing policies that are smart in ways that will actually better education for children. And, you know, in my opinion, what was so horrible about the Assembly's proposal was that it was just going to shut down schools that were doing great work. There was no thought put into coming up with, you know, a really intelligent policy that maybe would 
um, be better for kids. At the end of the day, their answer was just shut them down. And mm-hmm. I think it's because that wasn't, uh, you know, that that bill was never actually aimed at what's better for those children. It was aimed at, you know, kicking our legs out from under us as a movement. And it's fair to say that the the uh, unions, rather, and their friends wanted charters to get nothing, not an inch. That's true. They were. So in addition to supporting the anti-charter school proposals that were in there, they were absolutely um, identifying any of the positive uh, proposals that were on the table and working very hard to try to ensure that they didn't make it over the finish line. It was a tough couple of days. Yeah. Um, but it was also a very busy series of weeks and months before we got to the end of budget. So uh, could you walk us through what that was like? I mean, we have advocacy managers all around the state doing things, you know, walk us through what some of that was like. Sure. So, I mean, I think we always uh, kick off the beginning of the legislative season with an advocacy day here in Albany that we have been really lucky to have partnered with the New York City Charter School Center on for for years now. And that's always a great day. It's a really a celebratory day. And we have a lot of parents and school leaders and sometimes students coming to the Capitol to demonstrate just how important their charters are to them. But we also, um, throughout that day, have legislative meetings lined up as well so they can have of, um, direct contact with uh, the legislators and um, really tell their story in person. So I think that is always a great day, and this year was no exception. And we also had some really fab- fabulous events um, throughout the state after Advocacy Day was over. Um, we had an event out in Buffalo at the Aloma D. Johnson Charter School where we had a really fantastic rally um, that particularly focused on the need for some sort of building aid or facility support for the upstate charter schools and and all of the charter schools, in fact, because there are, there are schools in New York City that also don't receive any support. Um, so that was a fabulous day. It was a day of action. We had, um, we had the opportunity to register to vote. We had the opportunity to call legislators or email legislators and really share our stories. We had fabulous speakers lined up, and we were able to really share our struggle on this issue with the local media, so that was really wonderful. Um, And then we headed to Rochester and did the same thing at the Rochester Academy Charter School. And again, it was a day of action. Um, One thing that was really exciting for me was that I got to help a group of high school seniors register to vote, which I thought was really fun. And I love um, helping to see them get involved and get engaged. And, you know, they understood why they were there. And when they talk about the issues, they really demonstrate an understanding that right now the way their schools are treated and therefore the way they are treated is fundamentally you know inequitable and that they were there really with their authentic voices to show that you know we need to make sure legislators don't forget about us um so that also was a really great event. We, again, had um, positive support from the media. We had um, a representative from Senator Funky's office come over, which was exciting. And we just, it was really, again, a celebration, and it also was a day of action. And, and we got, um, 
it was fun. We got to see a lot of our schools. You know, at both of these events, they're held at one particular school, but the entire charter community from that area is invited. And at both events, we had, you know, many, if not all, of the schools represented. And um, it's just awesome to come together and really fight together on these um, challenges. Um, and then from there, we went to New York City, and we had a really, again, another really fantastic day at the Harriet Tubman Charter School in the Bronx. And um, it was, you know, it's the same thing. We had some support from some elected officials. We were super excited to have a few of the assembly members stop by and demonstrate their support for our families. And uh, the thing that strikes me the most about that event was we had an alumni from a charter school who now runs a local foundation uh, speak, and she was really amazing and really moving, and I love to be able to see the impact that, that our schools have had on, on young people, and, um, you know, we're just, we're really blessed to be able to actually work with schools that do such great things, and then seeing the community continue to come together to rally around pro-charter um, issues is really great. Nice. There was a lot of a lot of good work going on in the last couple of months, but it's not even over. <laughs> you and the people who have been up late in the last couple of days have gotten a chance to recoup, I'm sure, but the end of session doesn't um, finalize until the end of June. So what do we have on tap for the rest of session? Um, but yeah, no, our work isn't finished, I think. Um, I think that... So we, historically, when mayoral control has been an issue that the legislature grapples with, there have been times when charter issues get linked to that. Um, and so one thing that was announced uh, during the budget season was that mayoral control would be dealt with um, after the budget, so between now and June. Uh, the current mayoral control... Um, authorization expires soon. So they absolutely have to take up the issue before they leave Albany for the summer. And one thing that we're all going to be keeping an eye on is what, if any, charter policies um, potentially could be uh, also linked to that issue. You know, like I said, it has happened historically that there were charter issues that were um, combined in a package on mayoral control. It doesn't mean it will happen. It just means that it's something we are going to be having to pay attention to. And then if there are any proposals, either positive or negative, obviously respond uh, to those. Um, and I think that it's important for us to keep telling our story about how charters do serve high-need children. I think you know, just that what we went through in the budget with the Assembly's proposal on the enrollment and retention issues um, again, just emphasizes that it's really important for us to talk about what we do with students with disabilities, with English language learners, um, and tell that story of, you know, how are we recruiting? How are we, um, how are we creating programs that are responsive to the needs of all students and, and ensuring that all students are welcome? Um, I think it's just a really important, um, really important issue that we can't let um, go to sleep now that the budget is over. So we'll be doing some work to keep talking to legislators about those issues and um, hopefully working with schools to tell those stories. And, um, 
you know, we have to keep our focus on the building and facilities needs as well. And so we're going to keep talking about uh, what is the right policy to help the charter schools that right now don't get any assistance for their buildings. And whether that's through access to the state building aid program or through extending what the New York City schools um, currently get to all of the rest of the schools in New York City, but also around the state, um, or if there are even other methods to, to make progress on this issue, I think we need to keep paying attention to that and keep the focus on that so that it allows us to, over time, um, make sure that we are able to move the needle. Well, I think that about does it. Um, if you are listening and want some more information, just head on over to extracreditblog.org and check out the accompanying blog post with this podcast. Uh, there you can see Andrea Wendy's analysis of the Assembly budget proposal. You can read Kyle's letter to the Edge Establishment. Um, you can see our press releases after the budget was finalized and even read Andrea's lovely post-budget roundup. Um, until next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Andrea for that recap and take care.